Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 20 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Becchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Justice for Orphans is an FASD United affiliate organization in upstate New York and a platinum sponsor of the Run FASD Virtual 5K. Justice for Orphans provides support, resources, and advocacy for parents, caregivers, and professionals on the subject of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. JFO offers online and in-person FASD workshops facilitated by Sandra Flack, a certified facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model, and a mom of two teen boys with FAS. Sandra also co-leads the Hope for the FASD Journey online support community with Natalie Vecchione of FASD Hope. This membership community offers three online support group meetings each month, along with a private Facebook group where members connect for encouragement and support. JFO's podcast, The Adoption and Foster Care Journey, hosted by Sandra Flack, is also a vital resource for parents, caregivers, and professionals. To learn more, justicefororphansny.org. Once again, Justice for Orphans is a proud platinum sponsor of the Run FASD 2023 Virtual 5K. And now today's episode of FASD Hope. Welcome to today's episode of FASD Hope. I am thrilled to be speaking with today's guest. I have been a fan of his and his work, his amazing advocacy work in the great state of North Dakota. Um, He has done some wonderful things with FASD in North Dakota. I hear him every month, uh, just about every month on the FASD United monthly update phone calls. And um. I just consider him to be, um, I consider, I, I feel like a kinship with him because he is a self-described introvert and I feel like I am a self-described introvert. So um, this is going to be a fun conversation. So I would love to welcome today to FASD Hope, Carl Young of FASD in North Dakota. Carl, welcome to FASD Thank Hope. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um us introverts have to stick together, you know, but yes. thank you for having me on board. Thank you. And that's going to be a hashtag, yeah. FASD introverts. <laughs> I usually joke with Jen with yes. get at least one hashtag. So you just yeah. gave it to me. That's perfect. That's perfect. For those listeners who are not familiar with what you do and the work that you do in um, FASD North Dakota, can you just share a little bit about your connection and your journey and how you became involved in FASD advocacy? Yes. Um, my bride of 29 years and I were parents of four wonderful children when we decided that we were going to do either foster care. Well, we decided we were going to do foster care and went through the training to do foster care. Uh, that was in 2001. Um, and we got through the training and then we decided that rather than having children coming in and out of our home all the time that we would change to an adoption process since the trainings were similar. So we opted to do a special needs adoption right here in North Dakota. Uh, We had a young person or a baby in mind, but our caseworker kept telling us there's no guarantee you're going to get this child. Uh, But, you know, we'll try. So, um, so we went through all of the training. We did the fa- case studies. We did the family histories and uh, had to write bio- self bi- um, autobiographies and things of that nature about ourselves. And and um, we ended up getting approved for adoption the same day our son was released into the system for adoption. And it was the child that we had hoped to adopt. Um, we had done, my, my wife was doing in-home daycare at the time and she uh, was filling in for his foster mom uh, as a daycare provider. 
Um, and so we've been involved in his life since he got out of the hospital. Uh, and it was just serendipitous that we were approved for adoption the same day he became available. Um, so our adoption was finalized uh, two weeks after he turned two. Um, and it's been a ride ever since. Um, he was diagnosed with a lot of different mental health issues from the early age. Um, at the time, though, he wasn't special needs because of fetal alcohol or any of the other issues that he had going on. Uh, he was special needs because he's mixed race. So he's part African-American. Um, and that's that didn't bother us. We didn't, you know, everybody says you don't see skin color. And all we saw was a little boy who fit into our home. <laughs> so he fit into our family and and uh, he was ours to love. So, um, yeah, and he was on adult doses of a lot of his medication uh, by the time he was five. And he would cycle frequently about every six weeks. His body would stop metabolizing his meds. So we'd have to get him on something different. And I was working. Working from home at the time as a nonprofit consultant in information technology. So most of his care felt to me. Um, my wife was working as a school teacher and um, I did all the school meetings. I did all of his appointments. I drove all of the miles. We were living in a small town. And I know one year I was shocked. I tallied up the miles and we'd logged on you know, over 15,000 miles just driving him to appointments. And that's a lot of miles in a state like North Dakota. So considering our state is only um, like 300 miles across, <laughs> you know? So um, he's been in and out of different care facilities. Uh, he was in eight different facilities over the course of his time in our home. Um, and one or one facility cured him four different times. So and I kept asking him, I said, you know, is this like a immunization we can give him? Because we could make a lot of money with that. <laughs> you know, but I have a background in business and management. And, you know, I know I, I know I could push that product. <laughs> so um, when he was 15, we got the diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Which fit everything that we knew about him at the time. Um, if I could go back to when he was a two-year-old, knowing everything I know about fetal alcohol, our whole world with him, his whole world would be different. Uh, we would have still struggled to get supports and services, but our approach to him and his needs would have been vastly different. Uh, the last time he was in our home as a a uh, young adult, he was 17 years old, um, and he attacked me and ended up going into care. And then he got into a transition facility to independent living and decided he didn't like the rules there, so he made himself homeless. Um, and he's been in and out of prison since then, and he's been homeless a number of times since then. Um, but how I got into what I'm doing now is I used to be a college teacher, college professor. I uh, taught ethics and business and intro to marketing and Microsoft Excel and access pro database programming. So educating people, even as an introvert, came naturally to me for some reason. I don't don't pretend to understand how I developed that gift. Um, my wife and I had the idea to form a nonprofit in 2018 to help other families not have to struggle the same way that we struggled to find supports and to not feel alone. And that was the beginning of our journey as a nonprofit in North Dakota. Um, our nonprofit is called the Family Services Network and FASD North Dakota is a subset of that. So most of my work is in the neurodivergent communities, autism, fetal alcohol primarily. So um, yeah, <laughs> in a nutshell, Show. <laughs> and I feel even more kinship to you, Carl, because um our our son's your son's journey and our son's journey was two years old when he started having medical issues, developmental yeah. issues, but he did not receive his diagnosis till 15, also. And like yeah. you, 
again, you know, if I could go back to his two-year-old self, I would have, you know, I, I would have learned as much as I could about having, you know, an invisible disability. You know, I, I would have, yeah. you know, I, I, and, and, you know, the, the saying that we hear from a lot of advocates is, is when you know better, you do better, you know, and I, I know that we're doing better yes. now. I think if, you know, if, if, if I could just have any wish granted to me, it would be to go back to, to, you know, parenting that two-year-old son who has an If I had the, the magic genie lamp right. know, that I could rub and get granted <laughs> three wishes. That's right. That'd be number one. That'd be wish number one. Would be, that's right. Give me, give me this time. Yes. That's right. Um, Uh, I used to blog about our adventures. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I I wrote about our adventures in care and all of our struggles for more than ten years. And now, when I talk to the parents that I work with, I tell them, if you want to know how not to parent a child with fetal alcohol, then you you need to go read my blog. (laughs) And Um, that's what I tell people. Yeah. This. (laughs) is what you don't do you don't do any of these things that i did because that's, that's not the I... way to approach this disorder oh my goodness carl that's yeah. exactly what i tell people yeah. don't do you know if, if i could yeah. rename our podcast don't do what we did <laughs> you know yeah. this is here's what to do yes. and you know it's yeah, like exactly. that, that whole you know eat this yeah. don't eat this okay do this not this yeah. and yeah. um I, I again i am hopeful for what you're doing and I'm hopeful for what we're doing for all those families behind us with the the youngers with, you know, with the littles with FASD, because they're, you know, they're the ones that we, what we're doing is sharing with, um, you know, you and your wife and your wonderful advocacy and, and my husband and I with FASD hope we are letting others know they're not alone. And that's huge. When, right. That's a big part of this journey. And, and you know that, and I know that. And, um, but we're also letting those parents of the younger kids that, you know, they are like, mm, I, it could be, you know, FASD. I'm not sure We're we're kind of those voices down the road saying, get them tested, get them tested, you know, or, or rule it out, you know, rule it out because hearing your son's journey and knowing our son's journey you acquire, you know, there's that joke of the alphabet soup of acronym diagnoses that they build up and build up and build up. And then when you get that yeah. FASD diagnosis, um, our mutual friend, Joe, Joel Shagrin of, um, you know, yep. Embrace, he has shared multiple times that, um, you know, the diagnoses that come before FASD, they're accurate, but they're not complete. They don't, tell the why behind it when you get that FASD diagnosis then it's like the final piece of the puzzle yes exactly and Joel and I are working on some things for training purposes to offer CEUs to educators and you know professionals that work with our kids Um, we're not at a place to announce that you know very broad public spectrum but we can mention it here so um, we're still in development. We're trying to identify just what it's going to look like and how it's going to be presented and all of those things. Um, and I'm actually featured in a documentary that he's making, my son and yes. our family history. So, um, and he's just a, a wonderful example of tenacity. You know, people say that about me, but when I look at other people in the community, you know yourself and the Kansas folks and Joel and you know, so many others that, and I'm like, how do I measure up to that? <laughs> you know, how can I be as good as they are? And I hear that, I hear people say that same thing about me. And our journeys are all individual, even though we share uh, common baselines, if that makes sense. And I have an autoimmune disorder. I have a condition called systemic lupus. So my body reacts very negatively to stress. And raising a child with any kind of mental health issue, let alone fetal alcohol, is stressful. So um, I, I admit I see a therapist. I talk to her once a month. I used to talk to her once a week. 
she's helping me deal with uh, the, what the result of raising a child with fetal alcohol has done to my, my brain and my body. Um, I have PTSD because he's tried to kill me six times. Uh, I have severe anxiety. I have horrible nightmares. I didn't hit REM sleep for 15 years because of that constant state of vigilance. You know, what is my son doing? <laughs> so, um, but, you know, all of those things and my autoimmune disorder, the, the lupus, have made me the voice that I am today. I'm thankful. It, it makes total sense. And I'm so thankful for your voice, Carl, because not only does your lived experience combined with your advocacy experience, combined with your previous experience, your previous professional experience, they all make what you're doing so important. And like you said, just to let others know, to be there for other families and to do this amazing, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, this amazing legislative you know, advocacy and, and just the work that you're doing. 30 years ago, I was a truck driver. So, um, and then I got married and I didn't want to get, be away from my family. So I went to college and I've gotten most of a doctorate in business. Um, and I had to quit because I got very sick. So, um, if somebody like me can put themselves into a place or a position to embrace knowledge and the learning experience, then I think anybody can. Um, but there's no, shame in working in the trades and doing the same thing that I do. You you can do it if you need to. You can do it if you want to make a difference. So, and I want to make a difference. And you are. And you this are. This will be my legacy. Before we start diving into the rabbit hole of North Dakota, and before we start talking about North Dakota, um, you mentioned, and, and you talked about this, um, your your son, you adopted him. He had other diagnoses before he finally received his FASD diagnoses at um yes. his his diagnosis at fifteen. When did yes. you when did you and your wife suspect that he was prenatally exposed to alcohol? Um, I think a part of us always knew um because he had to go through withdrawals when he was born because he was on he was a first meth baby in north dakota or so we were told um but we didn't suspect the alcohol component until i started doing deep dives into the literature when i was working on my doctorate and i said you know this makes sense you know what if mom was drinking too so I consulted a specialist and I said, and he said what they've, that's Dr. Larry Bird at the University of North Dakota. Uh, he's, he runs the FASD clinic here. So, and he said, you know, what we're seeing is if birth mom is willing to ingest the street drugs, she's willing to ingest alcohol because it is far easier to obtain. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we got a, a diagnosis of the prenatal alcohol exposure, which is in the FASD spectrum. Yes. Um, and it is truly a spectrum because, you know, I have kids with, you know, two of my boys also have autism uh, at some level. One, um, we're not quite sure we agree with the diagnosis, but it is what it is. But the other one, you know, he definitely has marks of, or, you know, the, the patterns of autism. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, like my son with the FASD, I wouldn't trade them for the world because that's their condition makes them the person that they are, including my son. So, uh, you know, you know, and bizarrely with regards to my son with the FASD, I wouldn't, well, not, maybe not bizarrely, oddly enough, he, I was the one that he attacked the most because I was his primary caregiver. Yet now that he's no longer in our home and he hasn't been for almost five years, I'm the only one he maintains regular contact with. So, and I feel honored that he trusts me enough to be a part of his life, even though I can't invite him into my home because it would it would make me physically ill to have him come visit me. Um, but it still says a lot about him that he trusts me enough to keep me involved in his life. 
That so does. That makes sense. Absolutely. So, and yeah. a couple of things from that I'm I'm gleaning from this, Carl. First is that you have put relationship as that foundation, and you you you're talking about that even though the the stress, the the physical stress, the emotional stress, the PTSD in this journey of parenting a, a now adult with an FASD, the, the, you know, what you've been through, what my husband and I have been through, um, to still have that foundation of trust that they'll go back to you, even in, you know, the darkest pit, you know, even in the darkest time that if, if listening out there, listeners, if you have littles, if you have elementary age, Build that foundation. I cannot share that enough because even though our son yeah. has, you know, has been out of our house for a while, um, he's still, I would say daily, you know, texts my husband or calls yeah. my husband or, or he, my, my husband is his preferred just because my husband and my, my son have this, you know, they have this wonderful bond. And, um, even though I was like the primary caregiver, you know, um, my husband was, it still is my son's buddy, you know, he's, he's that, yeah. you know, he's that person. Um, so that's the first thing is build that foundation. And so many other guests have shared that in, even though things, you know, these adult years are, are difficult as an understatement. These adult years are, are, they will break you. They will break you. But if you can still yes. have that foundation of he, he still is checking in, he still is calling, he still is texting. That is huge, you know, especially in talking yes. with, um, with now, adults with FASD who living with FASD who have been on FASD hope they've said the same thing. You know, those teens and twenties are very tumultuous, but if, you know, quite a few of those self-advocates have told me, you know, Natalie, um, just, just keep that relationship as, as much as you can, because we'll go back, you know, we, we will go back and we will, you know, we will, we know you're there. We know you're there. And yes. the second thing I just want to share real quick before we dump, jump into FASD in North Dakota is um, Dr. Larry Bird is awesome. I Isn't he? love him. Oh, my goodness. He's been a guest on here. <laughs> he Just talking yeah. with him is just like, oh, my goodness. He educated myself and our guests so much just about so many things related to FASD. Like, you know, if 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 the if if. FASD were the movie The Matrix. He is like Morpheus. Yes. He just takes you right down into yes. the depth of it, yes. you know? He is amazing and he's yes. he's a treasure and I'm so glad that he has been um there for you and your family and for every yeah. for well, for the FASD community. He's my yeah. He's my he, I call him my mentor. Um last year we both presented at a conference that he hosted at the university. And uh, right after I, I walked in the door, he said, oh, by the way, you're in, um, the keynote speaker. <laughs> I'm like, uh, when does this start? And he said, in 20 minutes. <laughs> so, so I did this 20-minute long speech right off the cuff, um, and it was well-received. And I did my presentation later, and that was very well-received. I've been getting calls from people across the country you know can you do tell us how you did this or how you did that and um dr bird has been doing this for 48 years and i keep telling him that he cannot retire until he finds a replacement that's as good as he is that's right and good luck um, doing that <laughs> and, you know yeah that, exactly and then um he referred to me as an expert um at that conference. And I said, well, I don't know about expert. And he said, the difference between you and me is I have the education and the research and all of that. He said, you have lived experience and that's something I will never have. So he said, you're as much of an expert in this subject as I am. And that's something and we he should said, don't let anybody take that away. Yeah. That's something, Carl, we should share again with our listeners who are early on this journey is that you will have a lot of practitioners, a lot of educators, a lot of people telling you, oh, I know your child better than you are. I know this better than you. 
But in this specifically FASD journey, you know your child better than anybody. And and Dr. Bird is right. You know, he, he even yeah. though he has, you know, we, we look to him and we're like, oh, he, he's uh, amazing. That lived yeah. experience really is, I think, what so many folks reach out to you and your wife and reach out to my husband. And I, that's why, you know, we get these texts at midnight, we get these phone calls or we get these emails saying, you know, can you please point me in the direction of, of this or that? Um, because they know we've lived this journey. We've lived this journey. So, so speaking yes. of that, because I, I, we're we're going to jump down too many rabbit holes, and I want to get this conversation. <laughs> going. And it's so funny. You, so here, this is a great segue. This is a great segue. We were talking before I hit record, and I love that you share that you're a self-proclaimed introvert. I share that too about myself. People are like, you're really introverted. I'm like, oh yeah, don't put me, you know, my husband and I used to joke, you know, pre-COVID, pre-kids that when we'd be in a room at a Christmas party or something, like he'd just go off and gravitate and I'd go to the corner and maybe talk with one of the waiters or waiter, you know, like that's just how I Mm -hmm. am. I don't like crowds, believe it or not. And um, so this journey, this parent caregiver advocacy journey, what you're doing, what we're doing. It requires you to use that introvert um, energy, you know, that the the energy it requires that you have to um, exert to share, to talk to people, to talk to, you know, rooms of people, to talk to a full Zoom of, of, you know, advocates. We have that in common um, you have to come out of your shell, you know, before I, I shared with you some things that I do. Um, however, we know that there are so many parents out there and so many advocates out there that are on the, I like to say it, they're on the brink of advocacy. They're on yes. the edge, on the edge of advocacy. They want to do it, but they feel like they're introverted or they feel like they just, yes. they don't have it in them to do that. Um, what advice do you have for folks like them? Folks like us who are on the, the edge of advocacy that they, they want to do it, but they're like, oh, Carl, you know, we, I can't do this, Carl. I can't do this, Natalie. What would you say to them? Right. Well, I tell my, the way I got started is um, I wrote my story down. And part of that was because I was a blog author and I, and I was used to writing. I wrote daily for 10 years. And, you know, if you're not comfortable speaking off the cuff, and most people aren't, and then you need to write your story down and you can read your story to your audience. Um, you can practice it in front of your computer. You can practice it in front of a mirror. You can talk to your dog, whatever works for you to get to that point. Nobody is as much an expert in your child as you are. And, you know, I wouldn't have seen, or I shouldn't say it, me, we wouldn't have achieved the success we did this year in North Dakota without the voices of parents who are not comfortable speaking publicly, are not comfortable sharing their deep, dark family secrets publicly, yet did so, and did so with finesse that convinced people to change their minds about what was needed for fetal alcohol in North Dakota. Yeah, just because I can go in into a meeting and speak off the cuff for 15 minutes about my family and fetal alcohol doesn't mean that the next person can. I've been doing this for more than 10 years. And to me, it's as natural as breathing and talking now, or, you know, talking to my wife or, um, you know, chatting with somebody in one of my groups on Facebook. It's just a part of who I am. No, but I wasn't born this way. And it took a lot of effort to get to this point. And I appreciate that. And I wrote that down because that is excellent advice. And that's actually when I started this journey, um, I, I went to in 2019 um, before we started a phase hope, I went to a parent leadership uh, summit for um, for parents of children with with 
any type of um, diagnoses. <laughs> and that's one of the things that they made us do is write down your story and write down your family story and writing it down and, and reading it, you know, reading it to yourself, reading it to your spouse or, or someone, and then starting to read and share it more. There's a lot of power in that. I think people don't realize that there's a lot of power and you are empowered when you write down your story. And then when you share your story, because there's a wonderful quote by Morgan Harper Nichols, you know, about how one page of your story can be a page in somebody else's survival guide. So I think that significance of writing your story and then when you're comfortable, when you're in that zone to sharing your story, um, it's power. And you and I know listening to the FASD United uh, monthly when Jennifer Wisdall, you know, talks about how, you know, family members are needed in this state or that state to, to talk to their legislators. What we yes. hear all the time is, is Jen and other, you know, folks saying the parent stories, the self-advocate stories, those are the stories that our legislators, our senators, our, our two senators and representative, as Jen would say, they listen to those the most. Yes. Um, I've I've been to the Hill a number of times and spoken to North Dakota's elected officials, and I will do so again this year. Um, but this year we're actually doing some work in Montana because there's nobody doing FASD work in Montana either. So, so I'm like, well, you know, I'm already getting calls from the border of Montana. Let's reach into Montana to say Miles City. It's only three and a half hours. So, um, so we're going to be connecting with Montana's elected officials as well. It's fantastic. Um, it's necessary. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. Do I want the extra work? No. <laughs> Do I have the energy for the extra work? No. Is it necessary to do the extra work? Yes. And I'm right now I'm the guy to do that. Yes. Yes. And I'm I'm so thankful. Yeah. So now I want to jump into this conversation. This has been an exciting year for North Dakota and North Dakota legislation when it comes to FASD. You have some just if if you are out there and if you've been listening to any of our FASD United updates or anything, we talked about what's happening in North Dakota. And I know, Carl, you're a driving force behind that, you know, you and FASD in North Dakota and Family Services Network. Let's talk about, um, first of all, let's just talk about, you know, you said in 2018, you and your wife formed Family Services Network and then FASD in North Dakota is is kind of like a branch of it. Let's talk about this year yep. and what has happened with FASD in North Dakota. Well, it's our our legislature meets biannually every other year for eighty days. Um, last summer, I decided to see if we couldn't get something introduced, at least introduced this session. Um in the legislature so we can get the process started for next session. So I worked and drafted four different bills, um, all related to fetal alcohol in some way. And then I met somebody else who had drafted a bill um, specific to fetal alcohol. So we worked together, the two of us worked together. And when our legislature, after the election in November, our legislature had their, their formative gathering in December, so we went to the Capitol and had lunch with the leader of the Senate Human Services Committee at that time. And um, we said, you know, we'd like to have you, you introduce these bills. North Dakota is a very, very, very conservative state. We don't spend money on anything if we don't absolutely have to. Um, and uh, she looked at it and she said, well, I'm carrying a lot of bills right now, but I think this bill is important. So she pulled in one of her colleagues and said, would you sponsor this piece of legislation or these pieces of legislation? And there was five bills at that point. Uh, one would you know, add FASD to our state definition of developmental disability. One would mandate training for all child welfare workers and adopter or foster care workers. 
Um, one would add FASD to the list of diagnoses in our IEP plans. Um, and then one would create an FASD task force. So um, after that initial meeting, she, the, uh, the sponsor that picked up our work agreed to sponsor it. And she took it to our Legislative Management Council and they combined all five pieces into one bill. And it was huge. <laughs> so, um, so by, when it was introduced, we ended up with three uh, sponsors in the Senate and two sponsors from our house. Um, and it was bipartisan. There were sponsors from both sides. Um, it passed unanimously out of committee the first try uh, initially as originally written uh, in the Senate and then went to the House and they said no. <laughs> so, but they said, let's look at it. So they took out a bunch of, they took out the training, they took out the council, they took out um, the um, IEP stuff. They left in the FASD uh, definition for developmental disability. And then they added the um, declaration that from this day forward, September 9th of every year, would be Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Awareness Day in North Dakota. So that's that ended up passing. So we ended up with the definition and we ended up with the day of awareness. In an aside, our council was changed to, our, our task force was changed from an FASD task force to something that was called the Cross Disability Council, which would encompass things like autism, Down syndrome, fetal alcohol, and a host of other conditions. So it didn't pass in its original form, but we got something that we asked for anyway. So, um, and then as an aside to that, something that we didn't initially plan for was they did some work to help uh, primary caregivers get um, money for having to quit their jobs and take care of their children. So, you know, like where I had to shut down my business and, and focus solely on my son's care, there, if, that had, if that had been law. 12 years ago, and then I could have received some compensation for my time. Um, and that's, that's huge. The, that the caregiver, huge. It's a, we call it the caregiver bill. So, um, so while it wasn't as successful as we wanted, it was hugely successful in that this is the first time any legislation has made it past committee, let alone been signed into law by the governor. Yes, it was signed into law on May 1st. When I, when I found out about it, the first thing I did is I called Dr. Byrd. And I said, guess what? <laughs> and he said, we failed again. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, quite the opposite. I said, you know, we have, now we have FASD is included in our developmental disability definition yes. in North Dakota Century Code. And that's huge. And, and, that... and he said, you know, how did, you know, he's how? <laughs> and I said, I don't know idea, but it, it worked. Everything that we did, all the talking to the legislatures, all of the times I made myself available, it worked. So, and I'm, I was registered as a lobbyist last year. Uh, so I spent a lot of time at the Capitol. Um, I, we added it up, my wife and I, and all told between Capitol work and my work at home, I had something like 700 hours into this legislative cycle. Wow. And that's not paid time. Right. So... But the everybody told me you're never going to get your first bill passed ever. Nobody ever gets their first legislation passed, and I managed to do that, and that's unheard of in North Dakota. So um, I'm still not sure how I did it, <laughs> but but it is a win. It's a win for my you know it won't directly help my son. But it'll help other families coming forward, you know, with the younger generation. So, and, you know, like I told our lawyer once, um, 
if everything we've gone through gives me an experience that will help another family not have to struggle, then our journey will have been worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. So we're gearing up for next session. So we want to get mandatory training. We want to get um, a, a an appropriation specific to fetal alcohol, um, even if it's a competitive grant. It doesn't necessarily have to come to my organization. Um, I'm, you know, the only person in North Dakota outside of Dr. Bird's clinic that's doing this work. Um, and even he's not doing the work at the level that I am because he doesn't attend IEP meetings. He doesn't attend court hearings or any of those things. So, um, no. Uh, so, yes, we're gearing up for next session. And a part of that is we're going to start something in the fall called Community Conversations. And we're going to go to a lot of different places in North Dakota and host an, uh, an evening talk about fetal alcohol. And we're going to invite the legislature, legislators from that area to come to that meeting so that they can learn about fetal alcohol. I love that. I love that. We have 47 senators in, in North Dakota and only one voted against our bill. Only one out of 47. So it was nearly wow. unanimous when it passed. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to have a busy fall. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, we're going to D.C. in September. That's right. Uh, That's right. I'm going to I'll be traveling for an IEP training either to D Dallas or New York. I'm not sure which yet. So I'll be doing that in November. Uh, we're, we've been authorized to do a training for our Department of Health and Human Services about FASD. So we're working on putting that together. Um, that will be both in person and on Zoom. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to have a busy fall. And, you know, it's weird because I went from getting one call every every six months to getting four and five calls a week from families. You know, can you help us? Um, can you can you go, come to the, you know, my son's not getting what he needs at school. Can you tell me what to do? And I'm like, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can support you in your endeavor and tell you what you need for your child uh, or what the average child of fetal alcohol needs. So, um Last year, I did 72 IEP meetings in North Dakota alone. Wow. And I don't charge for that. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I fund my nonprofit work with my disability check. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this is the first year where we've applied for and received a grant, um, which is going to help with our work. So, yeah. That is, that is a good segue. That's a good segue. Mm -hmm. So we have listeners from all over the place and they hear you and they're inspired and they're thankful for what you did because what you're doing has a ripple effect. That legislation in North Dakota, other states will take that as a template and say, hey, here we go. We're going to run to our state yes. legislators. How can folks yes. donate or volunteer or help you help FASD in North Dakota help family services? Since it's a nonprofit, how can folks donate, help, contribute? How can they do that? Uh, they can go to our website. Um, we're in the process of revamping our website, and it'll include a donation link. Um, we're not. You know, if if you can afford a cup of coffee, that would make a difference to two families in North Dakota, and that's what it amounts to. Um, you know, because a figure a cup of coffee with you get, you know, an iced caramel latte from uh, Starbucks is six bucks for the medium, seven fifty for the large. So, you know, if you can afford that cup of coffee, we can help a child, and we look at it that way as you know, the first trimester is three months and that cup of coffee, you know, if you split it in half is three, a little over $3. Um, and you know, that's what it takes to support a child in North Dakota. So, um, you know, if, if people are able to do that, that would be phenomenal. 
I've had calls from South Carolina. I've had calls from Maine. Can you help us with the legislative process? I've had calls from our friends in Kansas. You know, what advice can you give us? You either need to have a lot of free time or a lot of money or a combination of the two. <laughs> if you don't have free time, then you need to be paid or have, have to pay somebody else to do the work. So there's, you know, that's just the way it is. So I had the free time. So this is the work that I do. Um, but, you know, when I get a surprise donation of $100, I'm just blown away because that would cover not only my travel expenses to go to the far reaches of the state of North Dakota and help a family, but it'll also extend out from there and help four or five other families in between that because every time I go to one of those IEP meetings, I'm learning something new, learning how to deal with a itinerant school administrator or a teacher that's been difficult and thinks the child is far brighter than they're presenting. And yeah, the kids are brighter than they're presenting, but that doesn't mean they're capable of doing all of the work. Yeah, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Don't take the blue one, take the red. That's right. We, <laughs> we both know that. Oh my goodness. So that information, yeah. that the website yeah. information will we'll be sharing in this week's social media posts as well as in our program yes. notes for um for today's episode. Carl, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I'm so, so thankful for everything that you are doing. And I am just in awe that another introvert like, like me, you're making, you know, introverts like us, that'll be another hashtag. Um, you're just, you're helping so many families, Carl. And I, I know your heart, your wife's heart, our hearts. Um, again, we know that, um, it, if we could go back and do things different, we would. And we can't do that. Obviously, we can't change the past. But what we can do is that we can help those families that have kids that are little maybe say, okay, you don't have to go down this path that we went through or, or that, no. you know, maybe you will have some challenges and you will have some heartbreaks, but you know, here's some things, here's some supports, here are some, you know, support groups, here are some resources, here are some people, um, here are some things that you can do to help you along this journey. Um, one of the big things that I like to end our episodes on, and, and this won't be the first time Carl is going to be on FASD Hope. I have a feeling he'll be back because <laughs> I just enjoy oh, having a conversation so much- with him more we can talk about <laughs> you know, oh yeah we there can are talk many about institutionalization and the, <laughs> you know the use of prisons to take care of these people mm-hmm. with fetal alcohol yeah we can talk about so many other oh things. yeah yeah there there'll, there'll be a second conversation yeah, with carl a- one one of the things well the main thing we like to end our episodes on is hope and yes. hope um from I, I use this quote all the time from from a previous guest. Hope is gritty. Hope is not the sunshiny rainbow thing that we see that's just ah everything's fantastic. No, hope is gritty. You have to work for hope. Yes. And especially if you're in the trenches and yes. your boots are dirty, hope is, you know, it's it we just again, we, you know, as caregivers, as parents, we see hope as something that oh, it's just never going to happen. But you know what? It does. And it looks different for everybody. And like you said, we're we're on this journey together. And even though we have FASD in common, our journeys are all different. And we, we respect that. Yeah. What are some words of hope that we can end this conversation on for people listening? And um, about an example. Yeah. Oh, a hope example. That's even better. My living with an autoimmune disorder, um, my son is able to stay awake for 72 hours at a time with no medication. You have to medicate him to go to sleep. And during the height of that, when he was five and six years old, um, and I would struggle constantly to try to keep up with him, Um, not because his energy levels were so high, but because he wasn't sleeping. Um, My 
constant dream was that hope would lead us through the journey. And here I am on the other end of that journey. And the one constant that we absolutely refused to let go of during our journey was hope. Um, and I, you know, there was, there were times, honestly, where I think our marriage struggled, my wife and I, because of the needs of our, our son. And hope kept us together. And now we're, you know, 29 years in. Um, and she's still my bride. <laughs> so, but if you let go of hope, you're going to lose. You have to hold on to hope no matter how hard that is to do. And there are going to be days when you want to throw in the towel. There's going to be days when you want to um, relinquish your child to whomever will take them. There will be days when Child and Protective Services comes knocking on the door and you're willing to just let them go. But as long as you keep hope, you know, like the little bird on your shoulder whispering in your ear, as long as you have that hope, you can get through anything. Well, this is a journey like any other. It's how you respond to the journey that will determine your measure of success. And I cannot think of better words and a better example of hope to end this amazing conversation. Carl Young of Family Services Network and especially of FASD in North Dakota. Thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. It is an honor. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time to reach out to me and I look forward to more conversations. The world is better with conversation. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by liking and following FASD Hope anywhere you find your podcasts. Remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.